Hello, my name is Shane Eidelman, and I'm the pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California. It is my personal heart and goal for you to see truth through a biblical perspective. I hope that you enjoy this segment of Eidelman Unplugged. Okay, we are still in chapter 3 on feasting, what to eat, from my book on feasting and fasting. Feasting and fasting, what works, what doesn't, and why. Just a reminder, you can get it as a free download at our church website, and you can follow along with us. And this is such an important topic that we're going to go into. The title of this section is, What Does the Bible Say About Food? This is where the rubber meets the road. And what I mean by that is this is this topic is so important because we've got so many diets out there, a lot of confusion. Plant-based is best. Whole plant-based is best. Raw food is best. Carnivore is the new thing. And then keto, paleo, uh, back when I was in the fitness industry, it was the Atkins diet. And the same as the keto diet, basically, to some extent. And then, no, people say you can, you should eat meat and, and dairy as long as it's clean. Lean and lean and lean is the key. Well, now they're thinking muscular, holding onto that muscle as you get older is actually just as important as being lean. So we have to go to what the Bible says. That way I don't get all caught up in the different diet crazes, the different biohacks that are out there, because this has been true ever since creation and it's true now. Now, within that, there are a lot of variants. I'm going to read the manuscript here in just a minute. What I mean by variants is, obviously, if you're getting older and you're sedentary, you have a job where you sit all day, you're going to have to make some changes. You're going to have to get out and move more somehow, maybe on your lunch break. I know a, a person who on their lunch break will take a mile and a half walk, and then on the way home, take the mile and a half walk back. So three miles total for the day. And it's just the the results are incredible. So we have to be strategic. We have to cut out carbohydrates if we are insulin sensitive. There's insulin sensitivity going on, metabolic syndrome, and all these you know new phrases out there. Incorporate fasting. You know we've got to start using this wisdom. So what does the Bible say about food? What does the Bible say about food? There are many views regarding what diet is ideal. I'm just going to repeat myself here probably. Vegans, vegetarians, proponents of plant-based diets, those who promote meat. Dairy all argue that their diet is best. Now, if you throw the raw diet crowd into the mix, the confusion only increases. And I'm not sure how many of you are aware of this, but there's a big movement for the advocates of raw. And that means nothing cooked. It's just raw. Obviously, I don't think they eat meat, meat much dairy. But then there's fruitopia, you know, fruitopia, where they just eat fruit. It's all they eat. And, you know, they have their reasons behind it. But Biblically speaking, that's where we have to stay grounded. It's the only way you're going to stay grounded and sort through the confusion. What we have to do is, when we look at the Bible, also use wisdom. You know, where are we at today? Moving more, eating less, fasting, all these things are going to play a huge role. So I don't claim to have all the answers. You know, even experts in the field of nutrition are divided. But again, we can glean a great deal from the biblical account. Most diets are written from an evolutionary perspective. Okay, did you catch that? Let me repeat that. Most diets, most diets are written from an evolutionary perspective, okay? So it's important, very important that we get our facts straight. So let's begin where God begins. Let's begin where God begins. In the beginning of creation, yes, I believe the inerrancy of scripture. Yes, I believe this is a, an accurate account. 
without a shadow of a doubt. Because if you don't, you, you, okay, I believe the Bible, but you know, not this and this and this. Well, where do you draw the line? It's, it's the inspired word of God. And obviously we live in a different culture. So some things are going to be a little bit different. You know, it doesn't talk about driving vehicles. It doesn't talk about a lot of different things, but the principles of truth are there. So in the beginning, God said, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree, which has fruit yielding seed. You can look this up in Genesis chapter one. Now it comes up, you know, what about marijuana? What about cocaine? What about drugs come from plants? So, you know, people say sometimes after the fall that happened, things got perverted, or people would know that some things are for holistic purposes. I wouldn't say those I just mentioned, but some, you know, from elderberry to echinacea, phytochemicals in the fruits and remedies from plants on cuts and abrasions, you know, there's a lot of healing properties. So did that all start after the fall? Before the fall, well, all we know that the plants that come out of the earth, every tree which yields fruit, it shall be food for you. And the healing properties of life-giving plant food. So here's what, what happens. The soil is very nutrient-dense. Can you imagine a creation? Wow. And so the plants dig the roots into the soil. The moisture from that begins to, what? Feed the plants, the sun and so the plants now have this life-giving sense about them. They are nutrient-dense. And so we consume that plant life, that carrot, and that life that is in the fruit and in the vegetables, that life gives life to the body. And that's why we're now so depleted on vitamins and enzymes and minerals and uh, trace minerals and even vitamin D, vitamin K. I mean, we're so depleted, magnesium. And these things are vital, vital to longevity and feeling better and brain health. And that's why I'm leaning, leaning, I don't call it mental illness, I call it brain health, because that's really what many people who struggle with mental illness are struggling with is the health of their brain. And so getting back to good God-given food, it has to be a lifestyle. It has to be a complete change, a complete restructure of your life, not perfection, but at least heading in the right direction. So every beast of the earth, also the birds of the sky, everything that moves on earth that has life, God has given them the green plants for food. Okay. And then we, you know, we know the fall of mankind, Adam and Eve makes perfect sense to me. And then of course the flood, when Noah exited the ark, God said, okay, in addition to the plant-based foods that are still good for you, I'm also going to allow you to eat meat. Of course, not the blood in it, not the fat, very, very wise, of course. So that's when we look at, from a biblical perspective, meat and dairy is allowed. Now, could it be that, of course, research shows that a plant-based diet is more healthy? I don't have a problem with that because when people are living hundreds and hundreds of years, they ate plant-based and it's a very good way to go. But I can't say that we should limit ourselves to, to just that. And then you also see people can become very sickly kind of looking and appearance, skin color, vitality, when they don't have any clean meat, clean dairy in moderation, not much. I'd say if you're going to have that, maybe, you know, 10, 15% of your diet would be that. So that's where we're at. And then of course you fast forward into the old Testament and writers of the Bible. They talk about different diets and Daniel 10, Daniel, the Daniel fast, right? I call it the Daniel healthy eating plan because it's really not a fast. It's a healthy eating plan, which is really good. And if that's what you want to do and God's leading you, I think it's great. But in Daniel 10, it appears that he did a fast for 21 days and the spiritual outcome was incredible. The spiritual outcome was incredible. And I find it interesting that God blesses fasts, if you want to call it Daniel fast, where only vegetables are consumed. And the reason is 
we just don't really have a appetite to eat too much broccoli and too much carrots and and even too many apples, you know, maybe apple juice, but we just, these God-given foods, we just don't have a real drive to over-consume them. But when it comes to meat and dairy, like cheese and meat, we seem to have more of a drive to consume them. And the reason is meat aligns more with our animalistic nature. Cravings for meat have been the downfall of many. For example, check out Numbers 11. And people are often rebuked because of gluttony over meat and wine and delicacies and things like that. And the next point, when God fed the children of Israel in the wilderness, he provided bread from heaven, known as manna. You can check out the references, Exodus 16, John 6. The people made it into cakes or they boiled it and it had the appearance of bedillium. Bedillium is from trees. I find that interesting. And the Bible states that this manna tasted like wafers made with honey. So interesting, the perfect food that God chose appears to be plant-based, not meat-based. You know, this is rather compelling for me, erring on the side of plant-based as the primary fuel for us. I'm not big into lots of meat, lots of dairy, even clean. Personally, I just, again, how we were created. The perfect food that God chose in these situations appears to be plant-based, not meat-based. And then God brought in millions of quail, right? They were able to eat meat. God brought in millions of quail because the people lusted for meat. That's what the Bible says. So they might just ate that plant-based food for the rest of their life. So my thought is it could be that after the fall, and we're only going to you know, live 120 years max, that meat was allowed, but it can study of epigenetics and the DNA, how it affects our DNA, our telomere links that, that depends, that determines aging often, that maybe meat and dairy, and we'll find out at some point, it was part of the curse. And even though it's, it's allowed and you can eat it, and there are some benefits from it that ideally that was probably not a good way to go. However, I'm well aware of the, the, the greater need in protein as you get older. They don't lack protein because there's protein in beans, there's protein in, in protein powder, plant-based protein powder. It's hard to get the adequate amount of protein, even though it can be done again. And there are different, if you look at the amino strands, the amino makeup of the proteins in meat and the proteins in plants, there is a difference. And again, I, I'm not an expert. There's tons of different views on all different sides. Um, but we do know that plant protein can sustain life and it is very healthy for you. But the jury is still out on exactly how meat and dairy affect us because ultimately the meat we're eating, in many cases, I would say in most cases, unless you're having, you know, lion and tiger, which we don't, right? But most, you know, most of the animals we eat are eating grass, right? Oxen, that's a pretty big animal. Buffalo, look what they're eating. Interesting. And they seem to be doing okay. So, you know, there might be something to that. The reason I can't say, you know, we shouldn't have meat and dairy is because I just, I just don't find it in scripture. But in Acts 10, we find that Peter had a vision in which God instructed him to kill and eat meat. That wasn't the, the whole idea of that vision was not to eat meat. It was to show Peter that there was no difference now between the Gentile and the Jew. In Romans 14, another point here in verses one and two, the apostle Paul talks about not judging a person who eats meat. Now, granted, this could be referring to the unclean nature of certain foods and whether those foods were offered to idols rather than being a proof text 
for meat-based diets. And 1 Timothy, I like this one, 1 Timothy 4. You got to read read the whole chapter, 1 Timothy 4. Paul said that in the last days, deceiving spirits will command people to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving. And this verse is one reason why I don't prohibit any food that God created for food, including healthy meat and dairy. And I think it's more specific. I didn't write down exactly where the Bible talks about they're actually say you can't eat meat. They'll actually say that you can't eat meat. And we look at this big movement now that's happening, obviously, in the last days, this big push not to eat meat. Some of it's because of fear. They just fear that the world's exploding and global warming and, and we're killing ourselves. And they don't realize that God's in control. We should steward our environment well, but He's in control. He will determine. He has given us these things. We blow things way out of proportion because of fear. And then, of course, there's agendas at work. Even right now, Bill Gates and China are buying up a lot of farmland. you got to wonder hmm, where this is going for sure. So be careful when making absolute and dogmatic statements about diet. However, we can be assured that healthy is the way to go. Living foods place vitamins, minerals, and powerful phytochemicals directly into the body. Man-made food is dead, and it doesn't give life it takes away. So on that point, let me give you my thoughts on the disease epidemic, okay? What's going on in our nation? A disease epidemic. And then I will probably give you a brief recap on what we talked about so far. But I want to I want to give you a, a view, uh, at least my view, on the disease epidemic. So after pouring over many articles, watching many documentaries, watching many YouTube videos, uh, reading health plans, I narrowed down to what I believe might be fueling our disease epidemic. Now, clearly, something happened to our DNA as a result of the fall. I said that earlier whether it's cells being able to duplicate themselves only a certain amount of times or sin allowing the mutation of DNA sequencing, something catastrophic happened during the fall. And the question is, do we fuel disease and strengthen its grip by making poor choices or do we fight it by making wise choices? That's really what it boils down to. Granted, we live in a fallen world that often results in illness and disease. We can't always prevent that. So let's look at what a day for an average person, but check this out. The day may begin with an unhealthy cereal and milk along with sugar, pasteurized orange juice, lots of sugar, or we may grab a large cup of coffee as we frantically run out the door. Sadly, there is little time for God. And with this large cup of coffee often comes some sweets. Caffeine in the form of coffee often triggers that sweet. That's why donuts and coffee sound great even right now, but that's the flesh pulling, right? And so that's our morning. We're highly amped up on Christian crack. We might've taken in all this food that we shouldn't have eaten and there's little time for God. And so we're kind of frazzled already. And that's why we get a little tense at the kids. We get a little tense at others. So let me give you some advice. Begin weaning off of these things now. It might take 10 days or so. You wean off of these things. It's gonna be a little challenging. You're gonna be tired, lightheaded. But at the end of that, you're gonna feel a lot better. You're gonna be calm calm and peaceful. And that's exactly what many of you listening to this need. And how do I know that? Because that's what I needed and that's what I still need. So when we fail to get adequate sleep as well as adequate amounts of water, contrary to popular thought, the body cannot acquire restful sleep after consuming caffeine. Okay. I want you to get this point. The only reason a person often falls asleep after consuming caffeine is because of sheer 
exhaustion. Their adrenal glands are really taxed and they just pass out. They don't get the deep REM sleep where real healing takes place. With caffeine in the system, deep sleep, which is vital to health and recovery, remains elusive. And I believe because of this, poor sleep, obesity, the disease epidemic, taking in all these foods that are not healthy at all, we're carrying this. We're only running on four of eight cylinders or maybe four cylinders out of 12. Therefore, we wake up exhausted instead of refreshed, but you can fix that. And then lunch may consist of a fast food or a healthy turkey sandwich containing sodium nitrates in the meat, processed bread, and nutrient-deficient cheese. We also purchase a bag of so-called healthy chips, which I haven't found too many unless they're made out of avocado oil and, and organic ingredients. But even organic chip, a lot of those you're going to find really increases the glycemic index as well because it's already processed, it's already broken down. It's not like you're eating a whole potato. And then we drink drinks that are loaded with sugar. And then we come home exhausted and we quickly prepare a large piece of meat with heaps of pasta and a few pieces of, of limp broccoli for dinner, just, you know, just so we can say we had some greens on the plate. We spend the next few hours watching mindless entertainment while eating sugary sweets. It's a never ending cycle of fatigue and stress that manifests itself in physical and mental illness, weight gain and overall poor health. Think of what we are doing to our children by laying this unhealthy foundation early on in their lives. It's time to break this cycle. Disease often prevails when the bad guys are fed and the good guys are starved. Oxidative stress, which is not good, is the battle that is happening in our body between free radicals, the terrorists, and the antioxidants, the good guys. And the constant bombardment wears the body down, hence the word oxidative stress. Antioxidants found in living food are like the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines. Antioxidants disarm the free radical terrorists by donating electrons to them. They become stable rather than radical. So I hope that kind of breaks it down for you and why this is so important to follow the Bible says about healthy eating and make fasting, get in fasting mode and make it part of your life, part of your daily discipline and begin to eat life-giving food and wean off of those things that really bring nothing of value to the body. They actually detox the body and they wear it down. So we'll continue here on the next reading. If you've enjoyed this episode of Idleman Unplugged, be sure to send us your ideas and topics for future episodes of the podcast. You can send us an email at westsidechristianfellowship.org or shaneidleman.com. Thank you for listening to us today and join us again on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Eidelman Unplugged. For more information, visit us at shaneidleman.com. Again, that's shaneidleman.com. El Paseo Publications proudly supports the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network. We are committed to quality and Christian publication. Free ebooks can be found at westsidechristianfellowship.org under free ebooks. Books such as What Works for Men and What Works for Young Adults will help readers understand that the obstacles ahead are never greater than God's power to take you through. Books such as What Works When Diets Don't and Feasting and Fasting demonstrate how health can be achieved from a biblical perspective. Other free books such as 
Answers for a Confused Church and Desperate for More of God show the importance of fully surrendering our lives to Christ. And One Nation Above God is a must-read for anyone concerned about the direction of America. Again, free downloads of these e-books are available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We are happy about partnering with the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network.